Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Blue Talks. and I am your soul optometrist. I am passionate about showing people how they can transcend the pain, fear, and negative circumstances in their life by using love as a lens through which to view, reconnect, rediscover, rewrite, and take back their story. I'm going to be talking to you today about how to view fear through the lens of love. But to start off, I just want to share a little bit of a song that's been an integral part of my journey called Fear You Don't Own Me by uh, Francesca Bastilelli. Fear you don't own me, there ain't no room in this story. Got time for you telling me what I'm not like you know me. Well, guess what? I know who I am. I am strong and I'm free. Got my own identity. So fear you will never be welcome here. No, goodbye, goodbye, fear. You will never be welcome here. Thank you. We would all like to believe that, wouldn't we? We would really like to believe that we could take back control over that fear by pushing it away, pushing it down, and pretending that it's not here wreaking havoc on our lives. That is what I truly wanted to believe two years ago in the middle of leaving my job, leaving my now grown children, leaving my family, my friends, and my hometown to pack up everything and go and move with my husband on his next posting. After decades of essentially living two separate lives, for the stability of our family and our children, it was finally going to be our time for just us. When my husband decided that he no longer saw a future for us and he wanted out of our 33-year marriage, I felt like I had been hit by a Mack truck It was if something deep inside my soul had just broken, disconnected, and died. 
That was only the beginning of my descent. Over the next few months, I would feel many different emotions, but none as intimately as I would come to know fear. A fear so deep that it rocked me to my core, creating mental, emotional, and spiritual warfare within the whole of my being, pulling at me from all directions, stripping me of my sense of security and safety, stripping me of my self-confidence, stripping me of my self-knowing and my self-identity, literally just ripping me apart until I was no more than a bunch of fragmented parts of a whole that no longer seemed to know how to fit together. Even in those moments when I thought, oh, what am I going to do? You know, I should be reaching out to people. I couldn't. I literally spent almost the next year hiding, hiding from my family and hiding from my friends. Outside of a couple of two close people, nobody knew what I was going through. And that was because I felt such anxiety over being judged for what had happened to me. What were they going to think of me? I left my job. I was willing to move for a man who didn't want me. What were they going to say about me? The judgment was too much to bear. So I just crawled inside of my shell, and I bore that pain in isolation by myself. The constant worry over finances. Right when we had made the decision for me to leave my job, it was knowing that we had the cushion of my husband's income while I figured out what I was going to do next. I didn't have that anymore. That was not part of my reality. Just the lack of self-confidence and belief in myself to be able to start over at age 50. But nothing quite as deep as that shame that I felt deep inside my soul that left me feeling like I was nothing more than a piece of garbage that had just been thrown away unworthy of being kept, unworthy of being loved. Even when I felt a few moments of light coming into my life and I thought, come on, Stace, you can do this. Just pick yourself up. Let's go. We got to get moving. We can't stay stuck here. Fear would be there to tell me, who are you think you can do that? You're not special. What do you mean you want to write a book? What do you mean you want to start your own energy healing business? You don't have anything of value to offer the world. You see, I was so stuck in it that I was not able to see my own strength, my own confidence, my own ability, my own possibility for my life that those around me could see. Who here has ever had a situation like that? We just lost such sight of yourself. 
and what you could do that you just couldn't see what other could see in you. Fear is like that sometimes, isn't it? It can, if we let it, it can steal our light. It can keep us down. It can keep us small. It can keep us from remembering who we are. And that is when I found that Fear You Don't Own Me song. And I was driving somewhere and it came on the radio and something inside of me just awakened and I was like, oh. I sang that song in the car, in the shower, when I was doing laundry, when I was outside working in the yard, when I was taking care of my grandbaby. Any moment that I could use to take those words and reclaim my power and say, that's right, fear you don't own me. You're not going to keep me down. And so when that fear came at me, I pushed it away. When it came up in me, I pushed it down. And when it kept peeking around those corners, I turned a blind eye and pretended that it wasn't there. But you know what? That didn't work. Because the more I pushed it away, I pushed it down, and I pretended that it wasn't this thing in my life, the louder and louder and louder it got, the bigger and bigger and bigger it kept coming back. So it was clear that I needed a new strategy. This was not working. There's this beautiful quote by Wayne Dyer that says, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. I needed a change. I needed a change in perspective on how I was looking at this fear that was unrelenting and kept showing up in my life. I didn't mean changing myself, It meant changing my perspective. And that's what I did. So instead of seeing fear as a negative, as a foe, I started to think, well, actually, it was something my mom had taught me when I was little that kind of prompted this thinking. She had always said, when difficult people enter into your life, Don't shut down to them. Don't close off your heart and view them with judgment. Open your heart up to them. Have some empathy. Show love and compassion for where they're at. So I started to think, what if I can do that with fear? What if we can do that with fear? What if we can use love as a lens through which to view the fear in our lives? And so... Instead of pushing fear away and seeing it as the enemy, as something separate from us, what if we started to recognize it for what it really is? Just another emotion that we experience in our lives. Another way for us to experience our world at different times. Emotions are an integral part of who we are. We're emotional beings. So why is fear any different? How about looking at fear like a companion on your journey that you're in constant relationship with? 
And so you had better find a way to make that relationship work. How do we do that? We start by letting go of the idea that fear is the enemy, that fear is separate from us. And we welcome that fear into our lives. And we see it for what it is. A friend who has come to enlighten and awaken us to the reality and realization of a deeper inner truth. And we do that not by pushing fear away, by calling it close and merging into love with fear. Merging into love and wholeness with this other part of ourselves. Now, this is a process that I've used in my own life to go from fear to love, to go from lack of self-esteem to confidence, to go from disempowerment to empowerment. It is a process that I have used that has allowed me to create the space of love and compassion and non-judgment throughout this divorce. It has allowed me to be able to look back on those 33 years with respect and compassion and love for the love that we shared during our time together the life that we built, the people that we had become in supporting one another. That allows me the grace to be able to still share a beautiful friendship with my ex-husband. It is the process that has given me the courage to pursue my dream of writing, to publish my first children's book, to become an international best-selling co-author in the Blue Books number 5 to just submit another piece of writing that I'm going to be in for the Butterfly Effect anthology. It has allowed me the space to be able to discover these new spiritual talents and abilities as a healer. The space to be able to lean into the higher purpose that my soul has been calling me to pursue. When I go through this process with you, I'm going to use my fear of separation, of getting a divorce and losing my marriage, as my example. I encourage you, you can just follow along with my example. But if you want to make it a more meaningful process for you, then I invite you to maybe pull up one of those fears that just keeps knocking at your door that maybe you would like to draw a little closer as we go through this process so you can learn and discover maybe a hidden truth in there for yourself. So I trust your soul's journey, and so I leave that in your hands. So viewing fear through the lens of love. Step one, we take it to the heart. And that's where we breathe in and we drop down into our heart center. And we open up our heart to that space of love. Now, this isn't just any type of love. I'm talking pure, unconditional love, free of judgment of yourself and others. And expand that love throughout the whole of your physical body 
out into your aura so that you're literally sitting in this beautiful capsule of that high-frequency love energy and compassion energy, and you're right in the center of it. Now I want you to take that fear. For me, that's fear of losing my marriage, being separated. And I want you to have it do a deep dive right in the center of that pool of love and compassion. Now, fear and love are just energies. Everything around us is energy. We're energy. Fear is a low-frequency energy. It keeps us contracted, keeps us weighted down. Love and compassion are high-frequency energies. They elevate and liberate us, and they're energies of expansion. So just by combining your intention with your emotion to create this loving space and taking this low-frequency energy of fear and doing a deep dive, you're already disrupting that frequency and elevating that frequency, shifting that frequency of fear in this space. Step two, take it to the mind. Now we have already started to make things happen. This fear is here. Now we want to activate it on a mind level. We want to go deep within our own psyche. We want to go on a journey of discovery because we want to know what the underlying beliefs and the mindset patterns that are driving this fear. And we do that by going on a discovery within our psyche, within our mind, within those behavior patterns, those thought patterns. And so the first thing that we ask ourselves is, well, what is this fear? For me, it's fear of separation and losing my husband. For you, it might be something different. And then we say, well, where did that fear come from? At what point in my life did I get that fear? And what's the underlying belief here? So for me, when I look at the underlying belief, why do I even have that fear? Why am I so afraid of losing my husband and losing this marriage? I'm a confident, successful woman. Why is this taking me out? And it's because I have this underlying belief that I can't do it without him, that I need him in order to be whole in this world. So once you understand what that underlying belief is, that underlying self-talk, it's on a subconscious level. You might not even be aware of it. You really have to tune in and ask yourself, your heart and your higher self, to bring that wisdom forth to you. Because it's powerful. Because these underlying subconscious scripts, this self-talk, it impacts how you interact with people around you. How you perceive situations in your life. How you react to situations in your life. And you may not even know it. So becoming conscious of that is a very powerful step. And your ability to be able to move forward. So now you want to dig deeper. You want to get curious. You want to know, where did that fear come from? When did that start in my life? So you might have to go back. And you want to know, like, maybe it's a societal thing. Maybe it's something you learned through your uh, religious culture. Maybe it's something you learned from your parents. Maybe it's from an incident that happened to you at school or on the playground or a personal incident in your life. The point is that you want to dig deeper and get curious about it. So when I dug deeper, 
I went, I had to go all the way back to my childhood. My parents divorced before the age of one. And my mother suddenly found herself as a single mother of four. She had already suffered physically due to immune issues. She had already suffered since a child, since she was a young child, with mental health issues, chronic depression. Now she was alone, raising four kids on her own, having to go on social assistance. So I grew up watching my mother suffer physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. I know where that belief comes from. It was born in my early formative years. That belief was saying to me, hey, you can't do it on your own. Doing it on your own means hardship, means loneliness, means poverty. So once you've uncovered that, now you want to put it to the truth test. Do you still believe that? So you want to disrupt that belief. Because a lot of the times we develop these underlying self-conscious beliefs based on events that happened to us earlier in our life. And at that time, they serve us to help us move forward. But they might not be serving you now. Okay? I don't really think that was serving me back then. It's definitely not serving me now. But other subconscious beliefs might have served you at that time. So we want to disrupt them and look to see, do I really believe that? So ask yourself, do I really believe that to be true? That's what I ask myself. And I wasn't quite sure. I couldn't answer that question. So I had to ask a second question. I had to ask myself, is there evidence in my life that proves that this belief is true? So then I had to look back over the course of my 33 marriage, 33-year marriage, And when I looked back, I saw that for much of that time, my husband was working multiple jobs at once, still putting himself through his undergrad, then his master's, and then on to higher education to pursue his uh, PhD studies. During that time, he was a reservist and then decided to make the transition to become a regular force member of the military. So for much of that time... I was at home holding down things on the home front, taking care of the kids, taking care of the house, managing the finances, whatever needed to be done, while he was working these different jobs, pursuing his career and elevating himself, you know? So I was home being that support system for that. During that time, I also went back to school to become a teacher. And then through my teaching career, continued to go back to school and elevate myself, making sure that I was highly qualified in my responsibility as a teacher, making sure that I was securing the highest level of pay for financial security for me and my family because we were a partnership working together. So then I, looking at this evidence, It's not supporting this underlying belief that I can't do it. Actually, it's saying the opposite. It's saying, guess what, Stacey Lynn? You can do it. And not only that, you have been doing it. And not only that, you've been very successful. So I'm like, I'm holding on to the night of this huge realization. You might have that realization, too, when you go through this process. I'm holding on to this false, disempowering belief that I don't even believe 
that the evidence doesn't even support. So, do I want to keep that? No. So the next step is, if you don't believe that, if the evidence isn't supporting it, then you need to delete it and replace it with something that you do believe, something that's more empowering. So the next step is to ask yourself, if I don't believe that, what do I believe? I believe I'm confident. I believe I can do it on my own. I've been doing it on my own. I'm an intelligent, successful, passionate, motivated person who has already risen up from poverty to create financial security for her family. I can do it again. It doesn't matter if I'm 50 years old when I start. So I took that empowering belief and I moved forward. So now we've dealt with it on a mental level. Step one. We have to take it to the body. Because even though we've dealt with these mindsets, we could still have residual energy stored in our body that are connected to those false disempowering mindsets. Because a mindset is attached to an emotion, and if an emotion isn't fully processed, what happens to it? It doesn't stay out here, ladies and gentlemen. It gets stored in the body, the physical body, the energetic body, the emotional body. So we want to clear that. And so we just come back into that heart space, and we ask our heart, or our higher self, tapping into that innate intelligence, our intuition, and we say, do I have any residual energy stored in my physical, emotional, energetic body that's still connected to this false, disempowering belief that I've gotten rid of on a subconscious level? And then you tune in to the subtle energies of your being. You might feel something. You might just get that sense of knowing. You might have some words that pop into your head. Once that information is revealed to you, then you just start to pull up that love and compassion that's already here. You're sitting in it. You're sitting in this big pool of love and compassion that you have emanated from your being radiating out your beautiful light energy, the essence of who you are. And start to pull it up and create this bigger wave and wave. Just like waves in the ocean after a storm, they come up and they crest and then they roll in. And they're pulling out all of the junk and garbage that's in the ocean after a storm. It's a way of cleansing the ocean. We want to continue to pull up these waves and then send them to those parts of our body that are still holding that residual energy. For me, it was in my mid-back and my the base of my spine. Oh, it's translated as multiple issues throughout my lifetime, chronic back pain, attached to my solar plexus, my powerhouse, and my root chakra, my center for safety, security, and financial prosperity. And so I just leaned in and sent wave after wave after wave of love and compassion. Just like the waves come through and they wash out the debris in the ocean after a storm, I want to pull up those waves of love and compassion to wash out all of the debris attached to that false mindset that I can't do it on my own. And so I do this energetically, just cleansing and clearing my root chakra for me and my solar plexus. And then read into my physical body into 
the discs in my spine, the vertebrae, the joints, into the spinal fluid, into the nerves, and visual, just visualizing this process of showing love. And you can visualize it as a beautiful pink energy, as heart energy, whatever works for you as light energy. Just continue to send wave after wave until you feel a release. If it's not deeply embedded, you might feel that release very quickly. But if it's something that you've been holding on to for a long time and it's attached to many different circumstances in your life, it might take more of a process for you to clear that. So just be patient with yourself and know that it can be cleared. All right, so the last step is to take it to the soul. And we do that by connecting in with ourselves on a deep soul level to really take this new awakened awareness that we've just uncovered by taking it to the mind and to the body and into the heart. Because we want to dig deep to see if we have gotten the full truth of this realization within ourselves. Because I'm going to tell you something. That first truth that was revealed might not be the whole story. So the first truth that I was able to uncover was that I can't do it on my own was this underlying script that was motivating and driving that fear and then that that's not true. Once I've delayered that, I'm ready for that deeper layer. So this is where you can tune in and you can ask yourself, ask your heart, ask your higher self, is there yet another even bigger truth that needs to be revealed to me through this circumstance, through this experience? And you wait. You might get that answer in that moment. You might not. It might, you might get it later in the day or later in the week when you're doing something completely unrelated. If you're too much in your head about it, it might not come to you right away. But if there is a higher truth, when you're ready, it will be revealed to you. So take it to the soul's two stages. It's asking, okay, we've cleared all this. We've gotten through these layers. Is there yet something else even more at the root of this? For me, that realization was huge. There was something else. It was the realization that this whole episode, that all of this pain and suffering was not just about losing my husband and losing my marriage. It was not about that loss. It was about the loss of myself throughout my marriage. It was about the disconnection from me and my own self-identity, my own inner truth, because I had placed it in my relationship with my husband and allowed him to become my sense of identity. I'd even placed it in my children and allowed them to become my sense of identity. I placed it in my teaching job and allowed that to become my sense of identity. And so when this happened, I had thought I'd lost all of that because I put my identity out here. So the bigger realization for me was that my truth of who I am is not anywhere out here. It is all in here. 
So this pain and this suffering was my soul calling me home to myself. That was my deeper realization. So I need to anchor that into my body. I need to anchor that truth in on a deep soul level. And then the second is to anchor in those new empowered statements. We've cleared all of that other energy out. We've cleared those disempowering beliefs out. Well, now we want to anchor in those empowering ones because that is what we want to feel in our bodies physically, emotionally, energetically, and on a cognitive level moving forward. And we just do that by, again, we're staying in the space of love and compassion and non-judgment, really celebrating that we're standing in the center of our soul and aligning with our truth. And we just anchor that, and you visually see yourself just anchoring it in, anchoring into your heart center, and anchoring it into those areas of the body where you cleared out residual energy. For me, I'm anchoring it into my solar plexus and my root chakra and throughout my whole spinal column. Now, when I do this, I also like to choose a symbol to go with it. I don't like just the words. Symbols are powerful to me. I'm a visual person. So the symbol that I can do it for my new empowering belief statement is a light. And so I'm anchoring that in as well because the light is telling me that I am my own source of light. I am my own source of power. And so I anchor that in. And in the future, if I find myself kind of shifting back into that place of, you know, that false belief, I can just pull in that symbol of that light and then stand fully grounded within the center of my soul, within this higher realization of my being, and know my truth. And with that, I finish my process by just sending a wave of gratitude and love to this fear, this unrelenting fear that came and kept annoying me and disrupting my life and making me feel uncomfortable because it was begging to be heard, it was begging to be seen because it had a gift to give me, a gift of a higher truth that I needed to realize in order to elevate myself to a higher state of being. And I am so grateful for that pesky little friend that wouldn't leave me alone. So let's recap what we've learned here today. In order to view fear through the lens of love, you have to let go of your idea of it as an enemy and embrace it as a friend who's come to enlighten and awaken you to the realization of a deeper inner truth. And you do that by merging into love and wholeness with it, by activating it on a heart, mind, body, and soul level. And with that, I'd like to conclude with my own version, my rewritten version, of the song we first started with, which was Fear You Don't Own Me, which I now call Fear Came to Show Me. Fear came to show me Through love there's much more to my story That I need to awaken to down deep within my soul So I can see all my truth Who I really am I am strong, brave And I am free Wholeness, love, light 
Divinity, thank you, fear, for making it all so clear. Yeah, go. Sit down, sit down, fear. You will always be welcome here. My name is Stacey Lynn Carlette, and it has been a pleasure. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.